You can subscribe to this podcast and donate, if you feel like it, via our Buy Me a Coffee page. Prague is reputedly the most haunted city in Europe, yet it's not very big, really. So as you come, it's no surprise that there are some areas and streets in town that are heavy with ghost action. This is a tour episode designed for you to take yourself to several haunted spots in Prague Hradjani and Malastrana districts. You can follow along as you go or listen and take notes to bring with you. And if you can't make it to Prague, obviously watching the video version with pictures for some vicarious viewing is an option. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. Maybe start everything off with a pint or two. We'll start in Hradjani, the castle district, in front of the pub Ucernaho Vola on Loretenska Namjesti. Ucernaho Vola is talked about in detail in a previous episode about the oldest pub in Prague. Leave the pub and walk out into the square. On your left, there is the Chernin Palace, and on the right is the Loreto. We'll take a look to the left first. The Chernin Palace, or Cherninsky Palace. This is the largest Baroque palace in the city and today houses the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. The land was purchased back in 1666, mm-hmm, note the year, same year as the Great London Fire, by the way, by Humprecht Jan Chernin. He was the Habsburg ambassador to Venice and Rome. However, the palace itself wouldn't be completed until quite a bit later. He and his wife, an Italian countess from Mantua named Diana Maria Ippoliti di Gonzaldo, loved status and purposely had their palace built on a hill that is slightly higher in elevation than Prague Castle and across from the beautiful Loreto. They were known for throwing the most outlandishly lavish parties in the city. However, like many rich people, they were also notoriously cheap. Count Chernin had told the workers building his massive home that they'd only be paid when all their work was finished. But then he died in 1682, with the palace still unfinished, and the builders despaired of ever receiving the payment that they were due, since the countess said, well, any deal they had with her husband was null and void now that he died and there was no paper contract. However, one of the family members had some knowledge of the occult. He took pity on the workers and decided to assist them. In front of the palace there had once been a pagan column dedicated to Drahomira, the magic-wielding pagan mother of St. Wenceslaus. At night, locals claimed they heard strange, unearthly sounds and saw spirits and shadows and sometimes flames leapt up from the ground that burned nothing. 
The air strongly smelled of sulfur at times. This column acted as a sort of occult battery, an entry point to the underworld. The chief architect on the project was asked to come to a secret meeting. He was blindfolded and led to a spot near the gardens. There, the Chernin relative conducted a dark ceremony and summoned the ghost of the departed Count Chernin, binding him away from his eternal rest until he signed a new, legally binding contract. The ghost relented and was released back into the underworld. That column remained and strange events continued to be reported. Then the Great Famine came to the Czech lands in 1770, which would go on to kill more than half a million people, or around 12% of the total population in Bohemia, Moravia, and Silesia. And it would only end when nobles started importing potatoes from the New World into the Czech lands. But during the famine, people were desperate and had even started rioting. However, the descendants of the decadent Chernin line paid this no heed. The countess at the time decided she'd throw a grand ball for her friends. After all, they were rich and had all the food they could ever want. Before the famine, she'd become accustomed to bathing in milk or wine and eating the most exotic delicacies from faraway lands that money could buy. And so, the ball began with tables heaving with so much food they threatened to break. She made her appearance with her newest extravagance, a pair of slippers made of bread. How droll, how amusing, no? This while people starved to death outside her walls. Well, even the devils in hell were appalled at this tasteless display. So using the power of the column, nine of them came up to earth and joined the party disguised as nobles. They flirted with her and cajoled her into dancing once and then twice, again and again in her marvelous, funny bread shoes, and dancing more and still more dancing, faster and faster and faster and faster until at last she caught fire. Burning with an eerie blue flame, she ran from the ballroom into the square, and as she passed the Drahomira column, the devil seized her and ripped her into shreds, dragging her mutilated remains back down to hell. As part of her punishment, her soul is sent back to this building every night at midnight, left to wander aimlessly. Fortunately, there are no workers inside that late, but anyone who sees her and dances with her will share her fate. That column was finally taken down in 1788, but the building it stood across from was known as Dum u Drahomirju Slopu, or the house at Drahomira's column. It's the white building to the right of the pub Uchernohovola where you started off. Across the way, in the square, you'll see a circular area with a statue of Edvard Benes, second president of Czechoslovakia. His wife lived in the Drahomira column house after he died. This is the story of Drahomira and that column. 
The Rahomira was no friend to the new Christian faith that had found its way into her lands in the 10th century. Legend says that she'd made a pact with a demon, some say the devil himself, to help rid Bohemia of this disgusting death cult. She had married Duke Vratislav I, and his mother had been largely responsible for Christianity's spread. So Drahamira paid two guards, Tuna and Gorman, to kill her mother-in-law, who was now a Christian saint. In September 921, they strangled her with her own veil. Drahomira was now regent for her two young son Václav and essentially waged war on Christianity for the next three years until her son came of age. When he did, he undid much of the damage she'd caused and ruled wisely and justly, but she continued scheming in the background. In fact, it's thought by many that when Václav's brother Boleslav killed him, that it had been at the urging of their mother Drahomira. She was shunned by those at court, and eventually, Bohuslav himself repented of his fratricide and embraced the Christian faith. Disgusted, Drahomira got into her carriage to leave Prague Castle for good. And while she may have forgotten her deal with the devil, he certainly had not. When the carriage got to this very spot, the bells of the small round church that once stood here rang out signaling prayer time for Christians. Her coach driver, being of the new faith, stopped the coach and went inside to pray. Drahomira raged and shouted from her carriage outside the church. But then suddenly, a deep hole opened up in the ground and the carriage with a still cursing Drahomira was pulled into it as flames shot skyward. And she was never seen alive again. <laughs> Yet some say that on some nights a flaming black carriage can be seen in this area between midnight and 1 a.m. Town councillors put a fence up to keep people away from the spot and later erected Drahomira's column as a reminder not to behave badly. It remained until 1788. But many say magical and often pernicious influences still permeate the square. The Cherning Palace was used as the headquarters for Reinhard Heydrich during the Nazi occupation, and after the war, what's sometimes called the Third Defenestration took place here, when Jan Masaryk, son of the first president of Czechoslovakia, was thrown to his death from a window here by the communists in March 1948. They were worried he'd foil their plans for a revolution, being very popular and the son of who he was the son of. There is a statue to him in an interior courtyard. Then in 1991, after all the revolutions throughout communist Europe, the documents that officially ended the Warsaw Pact were signed here in this palace. So perhaps the evil has finally been laid to rest. That's the left side of the square. On the right, there is the Loreto, a pilgrimage cloister, church, and clock tower, started in 1626 and consecrated in 1631. Later, a Baroque facade was added in the 18th century. It takes its name from the Italian hill town of Loreto in Ancona, near Italy's eastern coast, which is where the Holy House is housed. 
This is where Mary first learned that she would give birth to the Savior of mankind, and it was moved from the Holy Land to the town of Loreto in Italy to save it from the Muslim Saracens. Several important religious sites around Europe take the name Loreto. What sets this one here in Prague apart from the others is its bells, first heard on August 15, 1695. These were made by a local watchmaker named Peter Neumann, who contrived a complicated mechanical device so the bells would ring on the hour. And the project was funded in large part by a Prague-based linen draper named Erbhard Glokov. The sound of the 27 separate bells is so pleasing and evocative when rung together that two legends have arisen about them, one nice and one sad. This local draper, Erbhard Glokov, had a beautiful, charming, energetic daughter who one day, just after her 13th birthday, fell ill with a mysterious illness. She weakened and weakened, and no doctors could help her, and finally became bedridden. On the 27th day of her illness, she fell asleep and could not be awoken. The distraught father ran out into town to seek help, but could find none. He ended up wandering into the chapel here at the Loreto, where he prayed to the Virgin Mary for assistance. Then he returned home, but was surprised to find all the lamps burning and a great commotion coming from inside. His daughter was awake and seemingly cured. She said the Virgin Mary had come to her in a dream and sang to her in such a beautiful voice that it had cured her of her mysterious affliction. The draper then paid to have the bells cast one bell for each day his daughter had lain asleep. Word of the miracle of Mary's amazing cure spread, and the Loreto became a pilgrimage site. The other tale says that there was once a woman who lived in the area who had as many children as the Loreto has bells, which would be 27. She was fairly poor, but chose good godfathers for each child and put away one silver coin for each of them so that when they were grown they could make their way in the world. But then a plague came to the town of Rajani, and one by one her children fell victim, as did her husband. Whenever a child died, she brought a coin to the Loreto, paying to have a death bell rung out to help the child's spirit along on its way to heaven. After the last child was gone, she was destitute and alone, worried there would be no one to see her leave this world of sorrow, and that she might not be able to find heaven on her own. As she lay upon her deathbed fretting, Suddenly, all the bells of the Loreto rang out at once, as if the souls of her children had returned to see her off and take her with them, guiding them home to God's side. She smiled and died, knowing she was in good company at last. However, locals say since that day the tone of the bells has changed. Instead of sounding like a choir of angels, they now sound like a chorus of children mourning the death of the beloved mother. The bells are controlled electronically today and every hour from eight in the morning to six at night, they ring out the song, Maria, Maria, Brighter Than the Sun. But that only started in May of 2020. 
From the very beginning, the song the bells played out would change frequently, even sometimes different songs playing throughout the same day. But sometime around the year 1920, the operator had the bells set to play the Czech Marian pilgrimage song, I Greet You a Thousand Times, and then forgot how to change the settings. I suspect he was drunk. So, that song remained the only one played for the next 100 years. In May of 2020, they finally figured out how to change the settings and change the song. The entire Loretto complex is worth visiting. It's a mix of architectural styles throughout the centuries and has an impressive collection of jewels and artifacts. In fact, the second most valuable ecclesiastical treasure in the country. It notably contains a large number of monstrances. There's also a very unusual statue here, that of St. Vilgefortis, the 14th century bearded female saint. The story goes she was a girl who was being forced to marry a man she did not love by her father, and in fact she didn't want to marry any men because she had vowed to remain a virgin her whole life, like Mary. So she prayed to the Virgin Mary to please help her get out of this wedding. When she awoke the next day, she had miraculously grown a full-length beard. Needless to say, the wedding was off, but her father became enraged and crucified her to death. Interestingly, Vilgefortis statues sometimes replaced ones of the crucified Jesus in various locations around Europe, leading to much esoteric speculation about this androgynous figure. Was she supposed to represent the complete nature of Christ? Was Jesus really a woman? Some moderns have even claimed her as the patron saint of gender-fluid and transgender people. That's Lorotenska Namiste. Now leave the square and go left on Lorotanska, go down about 30 meters, about 100 feet, and then go right down the very narrow, scary stairs between number 17 and number 15 down to the street Uvoz. At the bottom of the stairs, go left and walk down towards Nerudova Street. Along the way, keep an eye out for a headless horseman. One night, a monk was busy up at Strahov Monastery, playing dice and drinking beer. A man rushed in and said he needed the monk to come to his house and administer last rites for his brother who was on his deathbed. But the monk was down in his gambling and insisted that he stay until he won his money back. The man pleaded and finally gave up returning home. After some time, the monk remembered that he had a job to do and set out to the house of the dying man. But as he arrived, too late at the house, there was a flash of blue light, and the ghost of the now-dead man appeared in front of him, pointing an accusing finger. This frightened the monk's horse, who reared up, and the monk fell to the ground, snapping his neck in such a way that his head broke off his body. And now his ghost rides this street, leaving the monastery on full moon nights with his head under his arm. Keep going until you get to Nerudova. You've now crossed over into Malastrana, the second most haunted district in Prague, after Old Town. 
Go downhill on Nerodova. You will pass number 13, the Bretfeld Palace, at the top of a narrow set of stairs on the right, where Mozart once met Casanova. This had once been an inn and Casanova's favorite place to stay when he was in town. That meeting between Casanova and Mozart supposedly is what gave the composer his inspiration for the opera Don Giovanni. Keep going down Nerodova, and then keep a lookout for another headless ghost, that of a greedy Swedish soldier. In 1648, during the Thirty Years' War, the fighting got heavy on Charles Bridge. One Swedish soldier snuck away to find some loot for himself, which is kind of what the Thirty Years' War was all about. He went into St. Nicholas Church on Malastranska Namiste and started filling a sack with everything shiny that he could find. Some locals went into the church to seek shelter from the fighting and saw him stealing from the church. This incensed them and they chased him out up Nerodova Street, where there's a bit of a jog in the street, right over by number 17, which is now a waffle point, and number 19, which is a chocolate shop. There used to be a large gate known as the Black Gate, and it is here that the incensed Proggers caught up with the greedy Swede. They beat him and cut off his head, then put his headless corpse back on his horse and sent it on its way up the street where it returned to the monastery, which is where the Swedish army was encamped. What a sight they had, a headless body on a horse walking into the monastery courtyard. They knew the dead man was one of theirs from the uniform, but there was no head, so who was it? The body was then buried in a mass grave, and that was that. Now often around midnight, that headless ghost rides up between where the Black Gate used to be and Malostronska Namiesti, looking for both the treasures he'd once had and his head. Sometimes he gets as far as the monastery, which means that he and the headless monk's ghost must sometimes pass one another. At number five, Nerudova, across and just down a bit from the Italian embassy on the right as you're heading downhill, there is the Morzinski Palace, a Baroque palace built in 1713 for the Morzin family. The architect put huge statues of two captive and chained Moors on the facade, sort of a pun on the family name Morzin. Today, this building is the Romanian embassy. There is a local legend that if you touch all four of the statue's feet, you will be guaranteed a return to Prague one day in happy circumstances, meaning like not on the run from the police or something. However, some say that from time to time the two statues come to life and wander the street, moaning in their permanent captivity. When you just get down to Malostronska Namiesti, on the corner on the left, you'll see the Black Eagle Pharmacy. Fragnerova Lekarna u Chernaho Orla. This pharmacy has been here since the 15th century, originally ministering to the king and the courtiers up at the castle. While looking at it, you may hear the sound of breaking glass if you're here late at night. In the building above the pharmacy once lived a widow. Two years after her husband's death, she became mysteriously pregnant and gave birth to a strange child. Sort of sounds like a cover-up job to me, but anyway. 
This child had a wild temper, often screaming throughout the night and breaking things whenever possible. One day the child died in an accident, but the child's ghost still cannot rest. It returns to this area to break windows and commit other acts of vandalism on the street. If you see it, do not approach it. Some say it bites. Take a right on Malashonska Namaste to the Liechtenstein Palace at number 13. Today, this striped building houses the Music and Dance Faculty of the Academy of Performing Arts in Prague, or HAMU, but once was the home of a count. The man who lived here was the man in charge of the executions on Old Town Square in the wake of the Bohemian Revolt that followed the Battle of White Mountain, chosen for this role because he was both stern and cruel. After he died, his widow, freed of his stifling influence, went rather wild, throwing lavish parties that often ended in huge orgies. Her wayward ways had a consequence, however. After her death, her spirit returned to the palace and now haunts these halls as one of the famous White Ladies of Prague. Turn around and go back to where Nerudova meets Malashanska Namisti and then continue along the edge of the church until you get to Tomaszka Street. Now, if you care to take a break here, you could, on the corner, stop into Malastranska Beseda, which pours an extremely good pint of Pilsner Urquell. Go to the one on the corner, not the one in a little bit. The one on the corner is the real one. When you're finished there, go under the arcade to the corner, cross, and go up Tomaszka Street. Go up to the corner of the very first street, Tunovska, and look for an odd sight, a skeleton with an iron nail sticking out of its head. In the building in the corner under the arcade, there was once an old locksmith who had a shop. He found himself engaged to a woman much, much younger than him. And while the exact circumstances of the match are unknown, the girl was not happy with the arrangement, but tried to make the best of it. She was dutiful, keeping the house, and even helping with the business. But inside, she was miserable and unhappy. However, the locksmith was getting older and eventually hired a young apprentice with an eye to passing the business on to him. Local tongues wagged at the time that the apprentice and the young wife were spending an awful lot of time together, but the locksmith ignored the rumors. But he shouldn't have. The two were, in fact, carrying on a torrid affair behind his back and had fallen in love. One winter, during a bad flu epidemic, the locksmith died, and the now-widowed woman and the apprentice could marry. He ran the business, and they were both quite happy. However, there were soon reports of a shadowy figure seen wandering throughout the workshop, moving tools, especially one particular hammer which seemed to be moved every single night. Locals who glimpsed this figure through the windows said it looked eerily like the old locksmith. Seven years passed and it came time to renew the rental fee on the old locksmith's grave, but the widow decided that she didn't care and refused to pay. So the old man's body was disinterred to make way for a paying customer. But when they unearthed the coffin, the lid had rotted away and they saw a skeleton with a large iron nail sticking out of its skull. Why, the locksmith hadn't died of the flu at all, but had been murdered. 
the young wife and apprentice were arrested, and they both eventually confessed, and then they were executed. However, the ghost was still not satisfied and wanders to Moscow Street today, a skeleton with the nail sticking out of his head. No one knows how to give this spirit rest. Keep going up the street until you get to the square, Volsteinska Namjesti, where you'll find another ghost that's a little bit less scary. There was once a prosperous merchant named Hanka in this area who loved food, and I mean loved it. Not money, not jewels, just food. He ate and ate and ate, and since he was rich, he ate extremely well, even when times were lean and people around him were starving. Soon he grew enormously fat and proudly boasted he had the biggest belly in Bohemia. Yet as his stomach grew, so did his appetite. One evening, he went to his favorite pub for dinner, the Volsteinska Hospoda at number eight, sitting in the special chair the proprietor had made for him with extra-wide reinforced legs. This evening, he was especially hungry and ate a whole roast goose, but that wasn't enough, so he ordered and ate a second roast goose. Still hungry, he polished off an entire turkey, and then a duck, and then a baked pork knee. He also ate three platters heaped high with Czech dumplings and fresh baked bread, and washed it all down with 20 pints of wine. He sat back, possibly now satisfied, with a digestive or two, cleaning his teeth with a toothpick. A starving beggar came in and asked if he could please have the unfinished crusts of bread the merchant had not bothered to finish. The obese reprobate mocked the beggar, and even though he wasn't hungry anymore, shoved the crusts into his mouth. Enraged, the beggar walked outside and prayed that the merchant would explode from all his overeating. And as the last bit of bread went down the merchant's throat, he felt a bloated sensation which grew and grew and grew until he exploded all over the pub. Shades of Monty Python. His corpulent ghost now haunts the pub at midnight, but he is seldom seen since the place closes at 10 p.m. It is said that if a poor man offers to share his meal with the unhappy obese spirit, his curse will be lifted and he will finally find rest. The restaurant is now part of the Three Storks Hotel and is a bit upscale for a pub restaurant, being next to the Czech Senate as it is. That sure seems like a mean trick to play on the fat merchant, but many people think he kind of deserved it. Oh, and speaking of tricks, there's another ghost that haunts this square, Ruprecht the Watchman. Ruprecht was a member of the Night Watch and always a bit of a braggart about his bugle playing. One night, his fellow watchmen decided to play a trick on him. They knew the prince was in bed nearby with a bad toothache and did not want to be disturbed. They went to Ruprecht and asked him to play on his bugle, since he was so talented. He did, and the prince was awoken by the sudden noise. Furious at having his rest disturbed, he had the hapless bugler brought before him and beheaded right there in his bedchamber. Ruprecht's ghost now wanders the square and will attack any musicians that he sees on sight. Turn around and head back to Malashanska Namiste, 
In this area, by the way, in addition to Malashanska Beseda, there are two of the oldest pubs in Prague, U Glaubitsu and U Kralho Brabranskeho, both of which were mentioned in the previous episode about the oldest pub in Prague. Cross the square and go to the street Karmelitska. Basically, just follow where the tram lines go. This is one of the most haunted streets in Prague. Walk down to the Church of Our Lady Victorious and the Infant Jesus of Prague, where the kind of weird infant of Jesus sits. This is essentially a tiny doll of Jesus that people make all kinds of clothes for. It's free to go in if you care to take a look. In this area, at night, you may see another ghost with a nail, but this time the nail is in the ghost's tongue. A man man named named Kulicek Kulicek lived lived in a large flat flat near the church, church, possibly at number 14. He was a tireless morality campaigner and was recognized by the city for his good deeds. But when he died, his widow was alarmed to discover that he had not been nearly as wealthy as he had pretended to be, and there was very little money left for her to live on. But she was enterprising and decided to turn part of her flat into a brothel. Luring many of the young women her husband had saved from a life of moral turpitude back into the sordid business. The brothel catered to many upper-class patrons, and soon the money was rolling in. At this time, it was not uncommon for men to ask for a virgin, since this was a surefire way to avoid getting a venereal disease. There were no effective treatments for things like syphilis, so sometimes getting such a disease could spell death for the afflicted. One extremely rich nobleman wanted just such a girl all to himself. So Mrs. Kulechkova taught one girl who looked very young how to act shy and reserved so clients would think she was a virgin. However, she was not, and soon the nobleman had the pox. He stormed into the brothel in a rage when he discovered the ruse, locked the door behind him, and nailed the madam's tongue to a door for lying to him. He then placed a sign on the outside door saying there had been an outbreak of disease and the place was closed and under quarantine. This would prevent anyone from entering for some time. And then he left. The madam could not free herself and slowly and painfully died, nailed to that door. Her ghost has been known to appear on Karmelitska Street in this area, sticking its tongue out at people, still with the nail in it. The shade also tries to speak, but the nail impedes understanding, and no one knows what she wants. There's another female ghost in this immediate area as well, though her origins are unknown. She wears a long, dark dress, and she is a grammar snob and Czech language purist. If she hears incorrect Czech grammar, she becomes angry. If she hears imported words instead of their perfectly good Czech counterparts, like the Prague habit of saying tschüss for buy, which is a German term, she flies into a rage. God only knows what she thinks about people who say the word Coca-Cola. Continuing down Karmelitska, you will pass where Headless Laura and the Invisible Child-Stealing Nun Ghosts both haunt. Both of these ghosts are talked about at length in episode 13 of this podcast, More Ghost Stories with Raymond Johnston. This was from October last year. Continue down the street, which will turn into Uyezd. On the left, across from the tram stop and between the Angelato and the Schweik pub, there's the narrow street Rzichny. Go down this street to the small square. On the left is Dvado na Pradla. 
a theater that is now home to the Prague Shakespeare Company. And if you're here on October 30th or October 31st this year, you can see their pretty fantastic one-man production of Dracula, The Journal of Jonathan Harker, starring local favorite Jared Doric, who has recently returned to the city. Curtain is at 7 p.m. And on the 31st, there'll be a Halloween party. In the square in front of the theater, there is the small church St. Johannes de Teufa on de Bleiche, or Kostel Jana Ksitele na Pradle. In English, that is, the Church of John the Baptist in the Laundry, a 12th century church that once was also, in fact, a laundry for a nearby hospital. Also, washerwomen would clean their clothes down in the river on the banks of Kampa Island, not far from here. There are also two animal-related ghosts in this area. A rich but miserly widow once decided she'd save money by secretly living in the church basement, hiding her money in one of the graves in the tiny cemetery. One evening, a priest sitting in a cart pulled by two goats came by one evening as she was relaxing outside and demanded she give him a silver coin as rent, since everybody knew she was living down there. He, of course, needed the money to pay back a gambling debt. If she didn't, he would see she was kicked out. She gave him a coin, but it was a fake coin made of pewter and not silver. The next night he confronted her, and they struggled. And the priest ended up strangling the widow to death. He left her body nearby with the counterfeit coin in her mouth, so she would not have payment for Sharon to cross the river Styx and enter the land of the dead, a fitting punishment in his mind. The priest continued to live and drink and gamble and lose, and eventually he also died, as did his two goats. Some nights, the ghosts of the widow, the priest, and the two goats can be seen wandering the area. The priest haranguing the widow, or perhaps begging for forgiveness, and the widow studiously ignoring him and his spectral bleating billies. Now, you maybe have seen a couple of headless horsemen up the hill below the castle, but what about a headless horse? There's a strange sight you may sometimes see after midnight in this square. A black carriage drawn by a headless horse rises from the ground near the statue of St. John of Nepomuk where the white crosses are set into the paving stones. Some say it actually springs from the small cross on top of the church roof. The headless horse will pull the black carriage in circles around this small square, while the ghost of a nobleman, also clad in black, sits silently inside. No one knows the story of where this ghost came from, or anything at all about what will set it to rest. But that is surely a sight you will not soon forget. <laughs> if you're feeling adventurous, you could make your way all the way up to the top of Petrine Hill to the field between the 378-meter-tall 1-8th replica of the Eiffel Tower and the 19th-century mirror maze. There, right around the tiny chapel of the Holy Sepulchre, Capella Bojihohrabu, used to be a pagan grove. It is said that on some nights, strange and otherworldly blue flames can be seen erupting from the ground here, giving off an eerie light, and yet the flames do not burn when touched.
But a better bet, especially at night, is to go back up to Uyezd and then go left. Continue on past the pretty creepy memorial to the victims of communism, briefly talked about near the end of part two in another tour episode called David Cherny in Prague. Keep going south on Uyez, just a little bit past Arctic Bakehouse, and across from the corner of Mjolnitska, you will find the Nightmare Horror Bar. Though that bar started somewhere else, it has relocated to this location, and this is the first horror-themed bar in Prague. <laughs> this seems like a pretty good place to rest your feet and have some drinks. The interior is decorated with some truly frightening decor like Jason, Pinhead, Freddy Krueger, and more. They serve special cocktails like the Reanimator and the Cenobites Puzzle Box, beer, and lots of liquors. They also have a couple of non-alcoholic cocktails. This horror-themed bar marks the end of this tour of haunted spots on this side of the river. Sometime in the not-so-distant future, there will be another tour on a similar theme that will start here, go back up Kampa Island to the Charles Bridge, and cross into Old Town and end in New Town. When that episode has gone live, you can combine it with this one into one extra-long haunted tour if you have the stamina. Until then, happy hauntings! <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times. <laughs> <laughs>